uh, in the resurrection. I mean, it is yeah. the cornerstone of the Christian faith. I'm grateful. Uh, yeah. You know, coming into this, this is really our foundational pillar, John. Without this, uh, our faith would be no different than anybody else's. And, you know, as we talked about in the car, I'm just absolutely uh, grateful of what God did to, to bring us up with him. Yeah, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians uh, 15. He says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, uh, how do you, some of you might say there's no resurrection. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, uh, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. And he, and he basically says, For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. Uh, he says, We're to be more pitied than all men. If, if, if we, there's no resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus right. Christ. So it comes down to that this is the central cornerstone or pillar of the Christian faith. Remove this and it collapses. Yes. It's, and, and Paul will say this Absolutely. in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 3. He says, Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which I also received and in which you stand by which you are saved, if you hold to that word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all, in other words, first importance of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's that's so important because oh, yeah. he's putting in these three verses so much Number one, it was passed to him, and now he's passing it off to others. Like we're here today, hopefully if somebody doesn't know the Lord, we're passing the message off to them. And it's going to go keep, God willing, it's going to keep going like that from generation to generation. But the key here is, he died according to the scriptures, and we're going to see this morning, those are Old Testament scriptures. Many of these scriptures that tell about his death and resurrection, and that he was buried. He was physically dead in the tomb three days, and of course, he's risen from the dead, according to the scriptures. And again, you're not going to have any other religion, right. the Buddhism or Islam, any other, that will have a dying, rising savior. They have yes. like a teacher, a prophet, a guru. Yeah. And that distinguishes us uh, in many, many ways from many other different belief systems. Right. And, you know, as you, as you uh, mentioned, John, the resurrection validates who Jesus claimed to be, the Son of God and Messiah. Matthew 16, 1, 1 through 4. It also proves he had authority over his body, John 2, 18 through 22. And, you know, when I started to think about this, I wrote down some things of why the resurrection was important. And, you know, it starts off again with, you know, if you believe in the resurrection, uh, it, it's to believe in God. If he created the universe, then he has power over it. Only he can reverse death, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 55. I mean, th th those are the two things I kept coming back to. You know, he has the authority to overrule death, and this validates that this is the Son of God. Yes, exactly right. He, many times in the Gospels, Jesus is predicting that he's going to be delivered up, he's going to be killed, and uh, on the third day he'll rise from the dead. And the apostles didn't always understand that. No. Nevertheless, he repeated it. Yeah. Uh, for example, if you look at John chapter 3, in his famous conversation with... Uh, Nicodemus, where he says you must be born again, uh, he will say if in verse 13 and 14, 13, 14, and 15, he takes Nicodemus, who's very religious, he's Jewish, he's a rabbi, he's a right. teacher, he understands uh -huh. the Old Testament, 
but he takes them, and if you look at uh, yeah, yeah, uh, 13 through uh, 15. Uh, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So Jesus, what he's doing here is is giving this lesson to this Jewish rabbi who understands the Old Testament. This is coming actually from the book of Numbers. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, uh, they were complaining, and they didn't like the authority Moses had, and they were whining. And God allowed serpents to come and started biting the people. They were actually dying. Ah. Vipers. And... Uh, the people cried out. They were sorry. They prayed. They said, Moses, please intercede for us. And then God told Moses, make a staff. And on that staff, put a bronze or a brazen serpent, you know, yes. like a model of a serpent. That always confused me. I never understood that. Oh, we'll look yeah, at that. Yeah, okay. Um, and then he says, lift it up. <clears throat> and all the people have to do that are basically wounded or dying from snake bite is look on it and they'll be healed. Now, how does Jesus says he applies that to himself? He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Well, to be lifted up speaks of his crucifixion. Mm-hmm. But why is why is he a type of the very serpent that was killing these guys, right? Why that? Well, number one, we know the serpent was the uh, meta, uh, in the Garden of Eden, of course, the, mm-hmm. the serpent mm-hmm. misled Eve, and then mm-hmm. sin entered into the human condition. So what was going on here? It says in, in, in 1 Corinthians about Jesus, He who knew no sin became sin yeah. for us that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. So Jesus is a type of that. He, he's not a sinner, wow. but he takes it. The same way in Galatians 3.13 mm-hmm. says, uh, Curseth that everyone that hangeth on a tree. And Jesus was, in a sense, cursed for us all. So he takes all this picture from the Old Testament, it was roughly about 1,500 years, it's almost 2,000 years prior to when Jesus mm-hmm. was here. He's applying it to himself. He said, basically saying, you all are snake bit. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory right. of God. But if you'll look on me, yeah. just like the thief on the cross, uh-huh. you'll be saved. You understand oh, wow. how he pulls yeah. that up? But again, early on in his ministry, he's talking about his death. Yeah. You understand this principle? You'll see this continually going on in the scriptures. It's all the way through. Yeah. Even in chapter 2, where Jesus will say, uh, in verse 19, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Right. Well, it says, okay, what's he talking about there? Because he's standing in front of the big temple. He's talking about his body, where they thought he was talking about the physical temple. Yes, right. Yeah. So, again, he's predicting his his death. Yeah. But he's also talking about his resurrection. Because he says, I will raise it up again. Right. You understand? Yeah. This is intertwined. And so as we move along, um, we look at this whole uh, uh, theme of the death and resurrection. But really, the, the, if you start with the death, the death starts early on. Because from Genesis through Revelation, they call this the scarlet thread or the idea of the blood. Mm-hmm. Because why? The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Right. Hebrews 9 yeah. verse 14. Mm-hmm. So when Adam and Eve sin, they try to cover themselves with what? 
Remember, they hid from God, and they, they knew they were fig, naked. Fig they were, leaves. Fig yeah, leaves. Right. They, it was a human product. They tried to mm-hmm. and, and cover themselves. God comes, finds them, has conversation with them, and he covers them with animal skins. Right. Genesis chapter 3. Right. There's a lot there. Right. Number one, yeah. the innocent died for the guilty. Mm-hmm. What did the animal do wrong? Nothing. Yeah. Number two, there was the shedding of blood. Number three... It was God initiated. It wasn't man's plan. Man's plan is to fabricate something with his own hands. Works. Yeah. That's why all religions have some kind of work plan. This is from God mm-hmm. to kill the animal, and it was an adequate covering. But it also kind of foretold that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And so when you get to the end of the book of Revelation, it talks about the saints in heaven who their robes are white because they washed them in what? The blood of the Lamb. You understand? From yeah, beginning right. to end, they call right. it the scarlet thread. Uh, you see the idea of a blood sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, Abraham, they start, they sacrifice. Then the Moses, they get in the wilderness, they establish the tabernacle. God shows them how to have proper sacrificial system. They come into the promised land, they have the temple, sacrificial system. Right. And now in John chapter 2, Jesus says, I, I'll destroy, you destroy this temple. Mm-hmm. Chapter 1, John introduces Jesus how? You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In other words, you're the sacrificial, you're the perfect sacrificial lamb. Right. And and that's actually one section that I really took a deep dive into. Uh, what is the meaning of the blood of Christ? And as you said, John, uh, you basically, the priests had to do an annual offering um, with, uh, with blood of animals. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason they had to do that is because it just wasn't a perfect offering. So um, when Christ came, he was the perfect offering, and it started with uh, the new covenant. Uh, on the night before he went to the cross, he offered a cup of wine to his disciples and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you, Luke twenty-two twenty. The pouring of the wine in the cup symbolized the blood of Christ, uh, which would be poured out for all who would ever believe in him. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's just unbelievable when you see how exact the scripture is with what actually the outcome was and what materialized. Yeah, exactly yeah, right. The new yeah. covenant, what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, new covenant. And if you look at Jeremiah 31, verse 31, it tells you about this new covenant that's to come. I don't know if you have it, but I can read it here. Jeremiah 31? Yeah, read. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Yeah. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, which means it's future, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them to the, out of Egypt. In other words, old covenant. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor... Every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sins. I will remember no more. You see everything yeah. contained in here? Yes. New covenant. Uh, he's a husband. Uh, he was a husband to Israel. Well, he's the husband in the new covenant because we are the church, the bride of Christ. <laughs> and then he says, I'll put it not externally, wow. but yeah. internally in your minds and your hearts. And then the other thing is there'll be an anointing. You can understand scriptures. He says, every man will start understanding scripture. They will know me. 
and then he says, their iniquity I will remember no more. He, he removes it. See, the Old Testament could only cover sin. Animal sacrifices cover sin. They were a reminder of our sin, too, because exactly. we had to do it every year. Exactly and right. We, we, and then, you know, in terms of that, we realize, you know, we, we can't do it. We're not perfect. We can't correct the sins that occurred in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Only Christ could. He's perfect. He was a perfect sacrifice. That's why John says, yeah. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away yes. the sins of the yeah. world. You see? The full debt was paid with that was, his blood. Yeah, it's a yeah. perfect sequence, you know, as you move along and see it unfold, uh, you get to the point where saying, well, how could this be just happen, you know, happenstance, yeah. or, you know, just, yeah. e even when we're going to look at the timetable, if Jesus comes in on Palm Sunday, that that's predicted in, in Zechariah, where it says, behold, your king mm -hmm. comes lowly and riding right. on, a camp, on a donkey, but then he comes and he dies on Passover, well, if Which you was go, how many days? It was a week later. About four days. Yeah, four days. And right. and in Leviticus twenty three, it says, um, when you when you do Passover, which started way back in in uh, to get the uh, Israelites out of Egypt, God says, kill a lamb, inspect it that it doesn't have spot or blemish. Right. Kill the lamb, catch the blood, and put it on the doorpost. Okay, okay. And He says you're protected because this night. An angel of death will go through all of Egypt and kill the firstborn where there's no blood. On the, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. If you're covered under the blood, you're safe. And then they're going inside and roast the lamb and eat it and then pack your bags, you're getting out. You're going to head out of slavery towards the promised land. Well, that's when Jesus comes in on Palm Sunday and then he's arrested shortly thereafter, he's, he has five to six trials, three civil, three religious. They're inspecting him, unbeknownst to them, to see if he has what? Fault or blemish. They're inspecting the lamb, and even unbelievers are declaring him like Pilate says, I can't find no fault with him. I can't find no fault with, with I'm gonna, you know. So they, unbeknownst them, they're preparing the perfect lamb without spot or blemish, and on Passover, when they kill the lamb, he dies. Jesus dies. Perfect. But uh, one of the things that God told Moses, don't break any bone of the lamb. When Jesus was on the cross, they didn't break any bone. They stabbed them on the side, right. whereas they broke the bone, uh -huh. the leg bones of the of two thieves, because you couldn't push up and breathe anymore. Right. Basically, it would hasten yeah. death. The other thing, he's buried three days later is the feast of uh, first fruits, where you wait the the because the seedling is coming out of the ground now. It suggests that there's the coming harvest, the coming growing season. And they wave these because new life was coming out of the ground. And three days after Jesus' death, he comes out of the ground. And starts the new life, you know, the new resurrected right. life. So it's perfect, oh, boy. you know, in yeah. terms of uh, the chronology, yeah. the timetable. No, um, again, uh, absolutely correct. Uh, you know, in, in terms of the blood, you know, it's all the way through the Bible. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that, uh, that caught my attention is I never understood when he said I would raise up, uh, the, you know, uh, on the third day, I would raise the temple on the third day. Yes. There, there, there's so many things that are so embedded in some of the conversations that he had uh, that, um, you know, it, it, we could spend weeks just talking about the, the uh, death and the resurrection. We really could. Yeah, because again, it's the corner, it differentiates Christianity from any other belief system because why? All other belief systems tend to be informational. If you do this and do this and don't do that, you know, 
like in Buddhism, they have what they call the Four Noble Truths, and then you follow the Eightfold Path. And in Islam, you have the the, the uh, Five Pillars of Islam, and, and you know, on and on and on. But it, Christianity is not informational; it's transformational, and that's what we have to remember uh, when we 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 think about uh, the Christian faith and what Jesus has done for us. But again, all of this stuff is foretold. It's not like he's coming on the scene. That's why in Zechariah, uh, you'll notice in Zechariah chapter, um, well, uh, I, mean, I look at 9, and then I'll have you read chapter Zechariah 12. Zechariah 9? Uh, Zechariah 9, 9, and then we'll go to 12. Look at uh, 9, 9 just for a moment. The coming of Zion's king. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a cult, a foal of a donkey. See, that's when he comes in on Palm Sunday. Yeah. He, he comes in. This is the one time in Jesus' ministry he allows himself to be uh, recognized as king publicly in Jerusalem, no less. I was just there. I saw the gate that he went through. It's blocked up now. But he comes in riding on a donkey, right. lowly. You see the mm -hmm. idea? He's He comes in. He's meek and mild. There is a triumphal entry. Now look at verse 10 of chapter 12. Okay, 12. Okay, one second. Okay, so Zechariah 12.10, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Do you see that? God is saying they will look on me whom they've pierced. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it is. You know, he comes in in chapter 9 on Palm Sunday, and here we see they look upon him in Jerusalem, where Jesus was crucified, whom they have pierced. You see how tight this is, how, how remarkable when you get the Old Testament and it sheds light on uh, what happened to Christ. And it, it actually shines forward even to our day and age because it authenticates the message. It just This just didn't happen and we're making up this story. and you know It's consistent all the way consistent through. All if, the this way is, through. if this Bible is in God's hand, then, you know, it's... I, I don't know what to, what to say. There's no other conclusion I can come to. No, because, number yeah. one, Christians didn't write the Old Testament. No. The Old Testament is a finished volume 400 years before Jesus comes, mm -hmm. midway through that 400 years, they translated from Hebrew into Greek, what they call the Septuagint, and Greek was the language of the day of the world, the trade language, a lingua franca, we would call it. Uh, but, you know, it, it, again, if, if somebody has an open mind and is willing to look at the evidence and mm -hmm. take it where the evidence is going to lead you, they have to come to the conclusion that this is this is this is who it's talking about. Yeah. Who, who else is it talking about? Yeah, and John, doesn't that springboard us again into the whole the whole notion that Christ is the Son of God? I mean, that's what this is all about. Uh, you know, it's a complete circle. It's the full story at its uh, completion. Uh, hmm. and, and we've been chasing this story ever since the Garden of Eden, when we had the first sin. Yes. And God immediately said, you know. Um, uh, you know, the seed of your of your womb will uh, strike the head of the serpent. John, uh, Genesis yeah. chapter 3. So the whole time we've been waiting for the, the Messiah yeah. to, uh, 
to crush the, the enemy. Yeah, right. And, and the, the way God in, chooses Abraham and basically chooses Israel is so he can reveal to them his plan and give the prophets, the Jew, you know, all the prophets were Jewish, but then establish the fact that God will dwell with man in that tabernacle, yeah. but you just couldn't come into that thing. You can only, like you said earlier, you could, you ought to be a special priest on a special day, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, and go in. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a kind of a scary situation to go into the very presence of God in the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus comes, he's the perfect sacrifice. Now we can come boldly, it says, because he's opened a new and living way. It says that in the book of Hebrews. But what's interesting, when Jesus ascends to heaven, 30 years later, the temple, the priesthood, everything is destroyed. It's yeah. no longer necessary. Yeah. Even if you look at it, if you're not a Christian, you just look at it from a historical point of view. Right. What happened? Did the perfect sacrifice come? You see, the perfect sacrifice, if Messiah was coming, he had to come while that temple was still there. And I'll show yeah. you why. Okay. If you look at the last book of the Old Testament, okay, Malachi, right? And look at chapter 3. And just read verse 1 and 2. This is the last book uh, in the, of the Old Testament. Okay, Malachi 3. Uh-huh. Okay, pulled up uh, 10. If you have it, go ahead. Jim. Okay. Behold, I, I, God speaking, send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Well, who prepared the way before the coming of the Lord? John the Baptist. Right. And the Lord whom you seek, there were many people looking for him, will suddenly come to his temple. Well, we know he comes to his temple as a baby, and that's where Anna and Zechariah prophesy over him. He comes to his temple. He's there as 12 years old when he's teaching these guys, and they don't know where he got this kind of knowledge. But he comes there to throw out the money changers. He comes there to teach at times. He does miracles right by the temple steps. It says, even the messenger of the covenant, there's that covenant again, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So this says this God is coming. His, somebody's coming before him to prepare the way. He'll establish the covenant, and he'll he's going to come to his temple. Well, see, the temple had to be standing if he's going to come to his temple. And that's what we just read in chapter 2 of John. Standing in front of the temple, Jesus says, destroy this temple. But after his death, resurrection, ascension, he ascends, the temple is scorched earth. The Romans come in and just level it completely. Yes. I mean, how can this be? Yeah. You know, you're left with, with yeah. uh, any thoughts. I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 sequentially, yeah. it follows. Yeah. Um, in other words, if you're a detective right. and, and you, you look at this information, oh, yeah. you, where is it taking you? You know, where, where is the clues leading you? And what options do we have? What other choice? You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just takes us right to the right to the fact that Jesus is whom He says He is. And again, um, these things are, are prophesied; these things are predicted. And uh, we looked at it before. But one of the things Jesus, of course, will say on the cross is, uh, "My God, My God, why is there forsaken me?" And people have wondered about this for many times. But Psalm twenty-two. So if you're near the cross and you are a Jewish person that has some understanding of Scripture, you know it's taking you back to this Scripture because it's the opening verse. What was Jesus calling their attention to the fact that he's fulfilling this? You understand? That could be one of the things going on here Uh when he says, My God, my God, why are you so far from me? My groanings. And then he'll go on to say, uh, verse 6, 
of Psalm 22. Behold, I am a worm, no man, a reproach of men, despised by the people. All those that see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights. See, they're mocking him. Right. And he's watching it. This is written in the first person of a man on the cross, yeah. and it's a thousand years before Jesus comes on the cross. You know, he, the Gospels open up. He says, look at what he says. Um, look at what he says in verse 12 and 13. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. See that? Yeah. He, he's using these metaphors, right. these animal metaphors, bulls. Well, if he's on the cross looking down, who's around that cross? Oh, yeah. The Romans. Romans, uh, yeah. in equipment, right. powerful, right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, raging, right. uh, mocking. Yeah. You see? So you see these, this element. Verse 16 says, dogs have surrounded me. Well, who were dogs? In the Jewish culture, who who do they say were dogs? Gentiles, because they didn't eat kosher. They didn't, you know. So you see these these Uh metaphors: lion, strong bulls of Bashan, dogs have encircled me. Who? Well, what 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 animal is is hanging on the cross? The lamb. The lamb. Yeah. The lamb that was slain. Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. And you'll see this in Revelation. We'll get we won't get that today. But do you see what I'm saying? So he says here, uh, many bulls, they gape at me. And then he says, verse 14, I, this is all first person, I am poured out like water, and my bones are all out of joint, but they're not broken. My heart is like wax, it is melted within me. Yeah. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. In other words, he's thirsting, he's been tortured, mm-hmm. he's, he's in pain, um, uh, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You know what I'm saying? He can't, the pain, the thirst, you name it. You have brought me to the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. He's looking. We don't know how big that crowd was around the cross. They pierce my hands and my feet. Now, that's that's significant. Yes. Because back at this time, in Jewish society, if there's capital punishment, it was by stoning, not piercing. Mm -hmm. The Romans brought that in. Yeah. They got it from the Persians, but I mean, this 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 execution that the Romans devised of, of, of you know, but you, O oh Lord, no, I'm sorry, but then, and then it says, um, I look, uh, uh, I can count all my bones. So here's a man hanging, and they pierce yeah. my hands and feet. He's looking down, and he says, I can look at my bones, my rib cage. You see, he's looking yeah. down, and he says, they look and stare at me. And then look what it says in verse 18. They divide my clothes. Yep. Among them and cast lots for my garment. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Just what they did. Yeah. See, at that time, soldiers, when they would execute a criminal, the soldiers could take whatever they wanted. It was right. called soldiers' pay. Right. If the guy had a purse, mm-hmm. if he had a sandals, if he, you could take it. But they didn't want to uh, tear up his cloak because it was yeah. seamless. They said, let's gamble for it. It's too. It might be the only thing that Jesus owned on this planet. Yeah. Did you ever think about that? Jesus I, says... Birds have nests, foxes have holes. The son of man has nowhere to lay his nest. I mean, he had to borrow a donkey to come out of Paul's son. A rich man had to give him his tomb yeah, when he died. Kings. He had to borrow Peter's boat when he wanted <laughs> to preach a sermon. <laughs> this awful. man, I tell you, people should study him if for Noah's reason. He's so different. Yeah. He's, he's, he yeah. walks across human history. Yeah. we got a three-year window on his life, <clears throat> and he changes the whole course of human history. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's a 33-year-old itinerant carpenter preacher on the backside 
of the Roman Empire in a little place called Palestine. <clears throat> he he gets, surrounds himself with 12 men. We would never surround ourselves if we were going to start a business together. <laughs> he dies a criminal's death. Yeah. There's nothing he does to suggest greatness. Yeah. No. But but your birthday and my birthday is dated on his birthday. So the but you know so so John it, it, looking at this visual um, I'm brought back to Isaiah 53:10 and, and this this quote I wrote down just because it just it, it is so hard for me to fathom fathom the fact that his father was thinking this. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. This whole section describes an offering for sin, but when you look at it, um, it was the servant was suffering from the hand of man. But right. the one who is really in control is God it's all God. the way through this. It's because of the perfect story, we see it at the start of Adam where he said he's going to bring in the Messiah to, to crush the head of the serpent. Right. All, that's where God is perfectly in this story. Look at verse and, 10. Yeah. Look at chapter 53, verse 10 of Isaiah. Go ahead, if you, go ahead if you have it. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Right. He has put him to grief. Yep. You see, when you yeah, get that, to Acts, that's the one I just read. when yep. you get to Acts in chapter two, Peter says it was God's plan. Right. It was predisposed. Mm-hmm. The Lamb was slain from before the foundation of the world. So jump to fifty-three. But before you get to fifty-three, look at fifty-two. And if you read uh, um, thirteen, yeah, just read fifty-three ten. You yeah, want to go to uh, fifty-two thirteen and fourteen? God speaking through the servant Isaiah. Okay, so Isaiah fifty-two thirteen through 14. Uh-huh. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. Look at that. Yeah. You see how marred he was? How, uh, that speaks of his human suffering. Yeah. We don't know what he looked like mm-hmm. after that scourging the crown of thorns put on his head. It says they buffered him. You know, the soldiers mm-hmm. pounded him. You know, yeah. it was like cruel mm-hmm. soldiers. And then the sweat and, you know, all of this. And then uh, it's, but it says here, so shall he sprinkle many nations. See, this one speaks of the suffering and then this speaks of the uplifting. Right. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him for what he has not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard they shall see. This up, same thing in Psalm 22. It has the, the suffering phase, but then it has this upswing, right. which speaks of the resurrection. So let's get into chapter 53, David. You started it. So let's read um, just three verses. We'll start with. Okay, I, uh, Isaiah 53. Mm-hmm. You just want to go there? Yeah. Okay. What verse you want? Let's go. Uh, just start with one first. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Okay, so now it speaks of um, this idea of a plant that grows up in the dry ground, just right. a little root, just mm-hmm. a little, that, that, that branch idea is throughout Isaiah, and we won't get into that this morning. But he grows up in humble circumstances, and his physical appearance is not uh, notable. It's not Hollywood. Yeah. It's not yeah. Jim Caviezel, so to speak. 
whereas it says Saul, King Saul was a tall man, or right. Joseph was handsome, or Sarah was beautiful. It doesn't say that about our Lord. As a matter of fact, in the garden, somebody had to go identify him. Judas had to point him out. So he wasn't, yeah. he was every, he was common man, if you will. Every, right. He was just man. But it, then it says, he is despised and rejected by men. Is he, you think he's despised and rejected today? Yes. You know, Jesus is is the only uh, founder of religion that's used as a curse word. Yeah, I no. lived for years in Southeast you Asia. They never heard times. Buddha. I've never heard Muslims misuse the name of Muhammad. Matter of fact, they mention him and they'll say, peace be upon him. Gosh. But they'll use the name of Jesus. Why? Because it says here, he was despised and he's rejected of men. Look at that. Just as wow. he says it. He's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. That's his apostles. Remember, it says, it says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will flee. And they were at a great distance. They didn't even want to be near when that crucifixion was going down because they might be, uh, implicated. Yeah, implicated. That's what the little, uh, servant girl said to Peter. Hey, you're one of his disciples. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm not one of these disciples of his. You see? Because they were fearful. Only John maybe was the apostle at the cross. He was despised. And we did not esteem him. And then it says, this is powerful, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs, not his. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by who? Verse 4. Yet we considered him punished by God. By God. Yeah. You see, that's a very important point. This is God's plan. He's in full control. For God so loved the world that he gave. That giving means giving him in terms of his life and offering. It's very powerful. All of us are born into this world to live, to live life, a long life, God willing. But Jesus was born into this world to die. You understand? Yeah. That's We won't get into it this morning, but that was what he came to do. That was what his life was about. And, you know, uh, John, in terms of uh, the visual of this, of the beating before he was crucified, Marilyn and I went to the Shroud of Turin exhibit at St. Ignatius, in the pictures, and then they had um, they developed some whips that were similar to what they used back in the time. And you looked at the Shroud of Turin, and the one whip they believed was used on Jesus. It had three uh, arms, if you will, covered in metal balls. Uh-huh, right. So every time they whipped him, forty times times three, one hundred and twenty. You could see that uh, imprint in the Shroud of Turin, but the bloodiness. You, they then had pictures of him after they put on the thorns, and it was a flowered plant, and those thorns could go an inch to an inch and a half long. Mm-hmm. It, the, the brutality and the amount of blood. My, my thought is he should have been dead after all that, let alone to have to then carry the cross and be crucified. Yeah, my friend's a surgeon. Of course, books have been written by this by doctors who look at it. Um, my friend says... Just that, like you say, David, that scourging, and back in those times, they called that the first death because some prisoners couldn't survive it because yeah. of shock and loss yeah. of blood. But he had that, but then he had the crown of thorns. Yeah. You see, and that's why when they put, they think he carried the cross beam because the, the the vertical beam was probably right. in place. Yeah. So that's what they showed. He yeah. he stumbles. He actually had to push himself. At one point, he stumbles, and they had to call somebody out of the crowd, Simon the Cyrene, help him. You see what I'm saying? But he, nobody, Jesus says, nobody takes my life from me. Okay, we got to get that straight. He says, I give it willingly. He says, don't you know I could call 12 legions of angels and, my, and they would come down and scorch earth. It would be like worse than a nuclear war. He says, I could do that. But no man taketh my life. 
he he goes when we see this picture we i mean it's so dramatic and and, and so impactful when you personalize it and think he's doing that for my sins he's yes. doing that for my wrongdoings john Mer he's doing that and he didn't do nothing wrong and i did everything yeah. wrong yeah. you see what i'm saying yeah. but then it says here um he was wounded for our transgressions that's so important yeah. and again he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. He was bruised for our iniquities. Always it's our stuff, not him. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. You know, and on and on. You know, all we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. And here we see worse sheep gone astray, and here's the good shepherd doing what? Laying down his life for his sheep. Yeah. Laying down his life for his sheep. And the Lord, the Lord, again, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yes. That's why it's so sad when people neglect this or disregard it, because the free gift is out there, like a Christmas gift, with their name on it. Like, I didn't pick it up and receive it until I was 27 years old. You see what I'm saying? Well, but he's, he's, he's paid the price. Me. He's paid the price. Yeah. He's done all the heavy lifting, literally. And all he says to us is receive it, receive it. And we put it off, put it off. And, and I just had a thought, you know, very uh, similar to uh, the sacrifices they would do annually with the blood of animals. Uh -huh. I, I'm, I'm happy that we have the ability annually to look at what he did for us because I think in place of the blood, we just need to be reminded of what he did, his acts of service and the pain he went through uh, to, to allow us to have eternal life with him. You know, one of the things that, that we've been talking about, John, I think it's very uh, important for today's Christians, at least it is for me personally, this is what I'm picking up. Um, you know, when I hear that, you know, a lot of people are going through a lot of strife, a lot of trouble, they're wondering why God has left them, I think this ties into our show, too, with the armor of God. There's two key things that God provided us. One, his son, to erase all of our previous sins and to give us eternal life. And then the tools to protect us from the supernatural because he knew, even though he rose, that we were still going to be dealing with the enemy. But he gave us the tools to fight and to fight the good fight. With this in mind, that's the whole idea of the breastplate uh, of what we wear is we're proud to be following Christ. He's our king. He's the guy we're following. Everything comes together perfectly if we let it. Yeah, you bring up a good point, David, because it's so much more than salvation, as great as that is. Yeah. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Because the more, it's like if, if you had a rich uncle that died, let's say in California, he left you in a will. You're in the right. will, right? And you get, but you never read it. You never go to the bank and cash. He's given it all to you, yes. but you're not appropriating it. Right. You see what I'm saying? When you start appropriating it, you're, not only do you appreciate all the resources he's given you, but you're going to think of him like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my right. goodness. You see yeah. how, how grateful you are. So, too, with our Lord. If we don't read what he's given to us as believers, as children of God, we can actually live a life that's far below what he would have us to do in terms of spiritual victory, yes. joy, peace, purpose, yeah. direction, you see, mm -hmm. influence. So let's go on, and this is a very powerful one, verse 7. Okay, what, what book are you in? Isaiah 53. Okay. Chapter 7? Uh-huh. Uh, verse 7. Chapter 53, verse 7. Okay. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. 
He is brought as the lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. That's a very important feature, because even in his trials, he wouldn't defend himself. And uh, all through this, mm-hmm. he's being led by sinful man, and he's afflicted. He opens not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Remember, I said these multiple trials, all illegal, because half of them are in the middle of the night, which was not lawful even yeah. back then. But he goes from prison to judgment. Who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the, that means killed. You're cut off. You're, mm-hmm. you're cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And then it says, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And we know that he died with wicked men on either side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in his in his grave, we were at the grave last month, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, yeah. uh, was a rich man. Joseph Barimathea uh-huh. gave him a rich man's tomb that had never been inhabited. So it's perfect. When it says um, he made his grave with the wicked, if you think of the crucifixion, here you have Jesus on either side is these two guilty individuals, right? It's a picture of humanity, David, because why? The thieves were guilty, number one. We, we are all guilty. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The thieves were dying. Maybe he had hours to live. So, too, we're dying. Just what it is. I mean, we might have 30 years. We might have 50 years. None of us are living. You know, our days are winding down. God willing, we have a lot left. But we have a choice right. to look to Jesus well, the one looked at Jesus and mocked him and ridiculed him. and But the other says, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm guilty. But Lord, he, he identifies who he is. Remember me. He appeals for salvation when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to him and says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. There's a picture of humanity. There's only two people in the, two types of people in the world today. It's not based on uh, ethnic. It's not based on race. It's not based on income. It's based on he that hath the son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life, but the wrath of God abideth on that person. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. You know. But God's not willing that any should perish, but that all would turn to him like yeah. the thief and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I recognize you as my Lord and Savior. Receive me into your kingdom. And, and you know, John, I think that's the amazing thing is the power of free choice that he's given all of us. You know, even Adam and Eve, you know, he, he told them what they couldn't do, but they did it. And, you know, I think that's true for us in life. Hey, listen, when I started into this a few years ago, honestly, uh, I thought some of this stuff was really too far out for me to... Sure. I thought it was uh, silly stuff. Yeah. But the deeper you get into it, and when you pray that the Holy Spirit enlightens you, you can't believe how crystal clear the story is. So every day, you know, there are times when you and I are saying, hey, let's just stay in bed It's Saturday morning. Then you realize what you're doing, and you realize that you're serving... This king that did what we just talked about for us. And he had no reason to come down from from uh, the perfect world he was in to do what he did. And let alone to be a servant and a lamb doing it. Not to have his army around him. Those are all the things I think about. That's why I start running ahead yeah. saying, hey, let me follow him. Right. And i got to tell you, the deeper you get into the scripture, the more conviction I have that we are wasting away if we don't rush to follow him right now every minute. Yeah. And, and we create disciples. That's what he asked us to do. Uh, my wife was talking to me about, you know, isn't that interesting that he needed help to carry the cross? Yes. He's always invited us into a partnership yeah. with him. 
all the way through. That, that, that's what makes a good relationship. Yeah. But the other thing is, you know, while he's gone, he did give us more work to do. And that's why we're here. Yeah, and that's a good point, David, because, again, but Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you are that labor and are heavy laden. You know, the world is, is labor. There's no peace. There's no, you know, there's anguish. It says, come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's not a, you know, he enables us to follow yeah. me. He gives us the power through the Holy Spirit. He says, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. And he, the invitation he gives us is, is only for our benefit, in a sense that he can use us mm -hmm. in this lifetime. I mean, okay, yesterday at the La Center, we had 150 men, all yeah. different backgrounds, yeah, right. hearing the gospel, preached by a businessman named Fred Corey who came to Christ in 1994 through the Billy Graham crusade. One man comes to Christ speaking to 150 men every Friday. Okay, We do not know the influence of one individual person. Yes. Uh, a one lit candle can go in a room full of 100 lit, unlit candles, yeah. light everyone, and go out and has it lost the flame. Yeah. That's the power. Yeah. We don't know how powerful a single individual is that's totally dedicated to Christ. Like my old friend used to say, you can count the number of apples on an apple tree, but you cannot count the number of apple trees in an apple. Yeah. Because it keeps going, going, going. Right. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. And yeah. just think of what the 12 disciples did shortly after, um, you know, Christ uh, rose from the dead. Turned the world upside yes, down. Yes, they turned it upside down. So for centuries, I mean, you know, they basically started where he was crucified and went all the way through the Roman Empire. And all of them, without exception of what, maybe one John, mm -hmm. were killed. And, and they, they weren't killed in a pleasant way. You know, stoning, crucifixion, uh, uh, spears, uh, whatever it was. Exactly you, right. For those cowardly men, forgive me, that were fishermen that fleed when he um, was taken to what they turned into. When I hear people say, look, you know, I don't really believe in the resurrection. We still think that somebody, the disciples stole his body and buried it somewhere. No way. Not a chance. When you take a look at that story and you look at all the details, there's no way they could have gotten by those guards. There is just no way. Those guards knew that if they let somebody come in, they would have been killed. Can They're, I add a point to that? Yeah. Yes, please. Go ahead. Samuel. It was interesting what you just said because... But the way they died, one of them would have broke and told the truth. That, that's think. a good point. You bring up a good point, Samuel. And uh, Chuck Colson says, here's, here's why he knows that the New Testament's true. He says, when the, the Watergate deal went down, yeah. there was there was tw 13 of those guys, John uh -huh. Dean, uh, 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 Ehrlichman, you know, all these guys, and they had to keep this secret tight yeah. that they broke into right. Watergate and that. He says, we couldn't keep this thing a secret for two months. Once they turned the heat up and were, set, were threatening prison for these right. guys, everybody collapsed. He says, right. we couldn't keep the secret once they, 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 they threatened imprisonment. Right. He goes, these guys are not just being in prison, they're being threatened with, you know, being oh, beheaded okay. and tortured yeah. and whipped. So it's a well taken point, Samuel. I mean, it is, you know, well, these aren't powerful men. These, these are fishermen. These are small right. business guys yeah. from upcountry Galilee. Mm -hmm. But now they're standing right in the city where they killed their leader and they're standing out there boldly and they're saying, this is what we're going to do. We're going to preach this thing. We're starting this church in Jerusalem, in yeah. the enemy's camp. Right. And you think about the multiple post-resurrection eyewitnesses from the women that told the story. And you got to remember, back in the day, women were the lowest of the low. Right. Next to kids. Right. There is no way. 
the only thing I can think is that you know they were like this happened we have to tell the story we don't care what they think of us but when you think 500 people plus saw Jesus alive for a period of 40 days it's written all through the scripture John 20 uh, 20 uh, 10 to 18 the women at the tomb uh, accompanying Mary Matthew 28 1 to 10 the Roman guards Matthew 28 for the 11 disciples seeing him John 21 the two men on the road to uh, Amias I mean it goes on and on. You know, when yeah. you come to the resurrection, it's interesting because the entire Trinity is present. Uh, it says that Jesus says, I have the power to lay my life down. I have the power to raise it up. Right. And he says, destroy this temple. I will raise it up. He's saying he's got the power. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Here we see the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then in the book of Acts it says, the Father raised him from the dead. Mm-hmm. So you see the unity in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And each one, you'll see this in creation. You see yeah. this when we have intercession. We pray to the Father, mm-hmm. empowered by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. So we're going to pick up on that in the future when we get more into the Trinity. But this goes to show you we move from the crucifixion to the resurrection. But this is not a new idea. No. We don't have much time, but if no. you look at Job... Chapter 19, one of the oldest books in the uh, Bible. I don't really look at Job that much. I don't know why. It's one of the oldest books yeah. in the Bible um, I have it by the patriarchs. But look at um, Job uh, chapter 19 yep. and look at what it says in verse um, let's, uh, 23 through 20. Uh, do 23 and 24. Sure. On that, my words were recorded that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on, on lead. Okay, so he's saying, I really want this to be recorded and remembered. To put it in lead or to put it in stone means it's permanent. What right, This revelation right. I'm uh-huh. getting. Then he says, he says this, For I know that my Redeemer lives. Uh-huh. You know yeah. what a Redeemer is? You know what a, to redeem something? Yeah. You ever use a pawn shop? Life. Well, yeah, redeem... Uh-huh. It redeemed means something, something you own, you lost, or it's there. But to get it back, you have to pay a price. Oh. They call it a redemption. You ah. redeem it. Mm-hmm. And so he, the Redeemer is somebody that bought back, buys us back. And, of course, we know the price he paid was his blood. It says that in Peter. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. In other words, he's coming again. This is long. This is future and after my skin is destroyed, this I know. In other words, after he's dead mm-hmm. and he's decayed, right? This I know. It's not I hope that in my what flesh I shall see God. In other words, I'll have a redeemed body. I'll have a resurrected body whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another how my heart yearns within me. Yeah. You see what he's saying? Uh-huh. This this should orient each one of us as believers. In First John, it's called the blessed hope. As many as have this hope, that is to say, one day he's right. coming back, purify themselves. We get ourselves ready. Right. But this is like thousands of years ago. Wow. He's talking about a redeemer. He's talking about second coming. He's talking he's going to have a resurrected body. He's got. See, this is high detail stuff. Yeah. Written thousands of years. Here's the deal. I always say this. In about ten months, there's going to be a World Series, right? Yeah. Two teams. <laughs> if I wrote on a piece of paper the two teams that are going to be in the World Series, the final score, the final game, who wins, and the most valuable player, four things, put it in an envelope, seal it, yeah. and you open it up after that October yeah. 10th when the World Series is over, right? And all those, I hit on all four of those things. You'd say, 
That's spectacular. Mm-hmm. I could make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But what if there was 300 written a thousand years, 1500 yeah. years, right. 2000 years right. about Jesus? Yeah. There's like 333 proof systems that he is the Son of God, and he says who he says. What more can God do? I don't know, but you know, John, um, I know when I first got into this, you told me a quick little story. It was was akin to, uh, Dave, um, this is the Word of God. This is basically like a cartoonist who is drawing out the the script, and he can superimpose himself anywhere he wants in that cartoon. And I've never forgotten that. And so what I look for is, is how the book was perfectly crafted from the Garden of Eden, Genesis, all the way to, you know, the, the death and resurrection. Because God is out of space and time, right. David. Yeah. He sees the first, yeah. he sees the last. That's right. why he says to Moses, Moses, who am I, what's your name? Who's sending me here? He says, I am yeah. that I am. Right. He doesn't have a past, as a future. He is. You see and, what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not hard for him to, to tell us things that are coming in the future. Yeah, and John, you know, we were talking about the importance of the blood, but the thing that really I want to impress on people, or at least this is where my mind goes now, is again, back to Isaiah 53.10. Yes, this was a brutal death. I saw it at the Shroud of Turin with my wife. Absolutely uh, brutal, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, Isaiah 53.10, because he had to. That was the only way to get us away from the annual um, you know, sacrifices. That's why the Lord was happy to do it. Now, I don't want you to sit there and think he didn't suffer for us, but i got to tell you, every, every time now, the last couple of years when I'm thinking of Easter, I realize how blessed we are. And that, yeah, this, this ugly situation was also beautiful in the same breath. That's why we call it Good Friday. Yeah, right. That's why we call it Good Friday. Why would you call it Good Friday? I mean, we get the word excruciating from the word, the Latin word crux or crucius. <clears throat> Yeah. You see, excruciating. Think of a time in your life you had excruciating pain, like a root canal or right. hit your thumb. Yeah. or yeah. I mean, magnify that, I don't know, a hundred times, a mm-hmm. thousand times. That's what Jesus took on the cross, excruciating pain. Mm-hmm. But he does this on our behalf that yeah. we can enjoy. You know, if you notice it, he dies that we might live. Right. He gives us the new wine of the new covenant. Man reaches up to him to give him vinegar. He, we, they mock him, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's, a, it's a, just amazing when you go down through everything, what he does on our behalf. And, and also, you know, we brought this up that God was in control all the way. At the end, he said, into my hands I commend my spirit. So he said, I was done. Yeah. That he completed everything, and man didn't kill him. He was done. So then he left the planet. It is finished. It is yeah, finished. It is finished. And, and that's, that's why when his parent, when Joseph and Mary go to find him and he's in right. the temple and he says, what are you doing here? Why didn't you stay with us as we're in the caravan going to the Galilee? He goes, did you not know? I must be about my father's business. Right. And on the cross he says what? It is finished. What's finished? His father's business. Yeah. The redemptive plan. Gosh. It's completed. <laughs> now, how do you write that story? Yeah. You know. So, I just uh, want to hope and pray everybody out there has a great uh, uh, coming Easter week. Yes. You know, we celebrate the uh, Good Friday. And then, mm-hmm. of course, uh, uh, the good thing about Good Friday is that uh, Sunday is coming. It's just yes. around the corner. We celebrate the resurrection. And uh, thank you again, Samuel, Thanks, for being our engineer today. And yeah. David for coming Thanks, in. Jan. And uh, have a blessed week, everybody out there. We look forward to you. Uh, we got some very interesting programs, God willing, coming in April. So have an Easter, everybody out there, and God bless you all. God bless you. Thanks again, Samuel. God bless you.